Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by Rod Babers. It's our weekly episode of State of the Program. Rod, thanks for joining me. Uh, today, we're going to tackle the portal, kind of like Steve Sarkeesian's tackling it. He's doing the old body slam on the whole thing. <laughs> uh, right now, the Longhorns yesterday picking up two more commitments from the portal. Uh, wide receiver Silas Bolden out of Oregon State, linebacker uh, Kendrick Blackshire out of Alabama. It's uh, six total portal entrants that the Longhorns have uh, signed now. Uh, but you know what? They're not done. Um, and that's kind of what we want to talk about because, uh, Rod, when when we first went into this offseason, I thought Texas might just do four to six guys from the portal. It now looks like that number is going to be six to nine mm-hmm. in the portal. Um, and, the, and, and I say that uh, our C.J. Vogel reported today that Jabbar Muhammad is on campus at Texas today. So he's already made it into Austin and he's there. That's a defensive back out of the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at this, and it's maybe more than we anticipated going in, yet they all seem to make a lot of sense. Yes, I totally agree. I think there are two things contributing to this, right? This is a, a relatively new phenomenon in college football. When you have that 30-day window that happens when there's a vacated head coaching position for whatever reason, um, Sark has ties – to two of the uh, the biggest coaching vacancies are, you know, in the coaching carousel so far that's happened, the Washington and Alabama jobs, which have been filled, Kevin DeBoer and Jet Fish, but still that window is still open for 30 days. I think that unique connection he has with both of those programs, that helps because a lot of your coaching staff, you pull from that program and, co- and Sark obviously coached that Washington and, and PK's got ties at Washington. That, that helps you. Um, and that obviously you're seeing with a lot of the Bama guys and hopefully with Jabbar Muhammad, who they're uh, still recruiting. Um, but I also think Sark, you know, he's remained, in my opinion, I think he's remained consistent on this. He's talked about they want to build the, the roster largely through traditional organic recruiting. That's how they want to build the roster. And he wants to supplement with the transfer portal. This is how NFL GMs think of free agency. They say they want to supplement the really good ones, supplement with free agency, build through the NFL draft, right? That's the cheapest way to build. That's the best way to build for sustained success over time. And I think Sark's still going there. And that's why when you brought up that the all of the transfer portal acquisitions right now make a lot of sense. They do fit that theme for Sark. What do you need? You, you're losing uh, probably but 80% of your receiving production overall if you include you know all the, all the receivers leaving, JT Sanders and Jay Brooks. So you're bringing in three receivers, proven commodities. Doesn't mean the guys that you have brought in via traditional recruiting aren't ready to step up, but you need insurance policies. This is Quinn Ewers last year at Texas. You want insurance policies to make sure you none know, of the wide receiving core, it won't have that much of a regression. And now you load it up and stack talent there. That makes perfect sense. You have not honestly. Trey Moore is the best, probably best natural pass rusher you've had on campus since what Sark has been here. 
I mean, you haven't had a really a true pass rusher on campus off that edge. And I mean, all coming off the edge, yeah, Byron Murphy is a pass rusher, you know, in certain ways. But I'm talking about off the edge since Sark has been there. He's the best natural pass rusher. You needed that. That was exposed in the Washington game. Uh, Makuba, uh, as, a, as a defensive back, right, can play any position in secondary, manufactures depth for you, and you lost. Seven DBs total, I believe it was, uh, with you know guys going to the NFL, and also you look at the guys that were transferring. So you know that you need bodies there. A couple of stars, but you need bodies there. Makuba, he actually manufactured depth in a lot of ways for you in the secondary, and you may not be done in the secondary. That makes sense too, just because of the amount of bodies you you lost. Um, I mean, and so every I'm with you. Every every a, a position of need is being addressed. The ones of urgent need are being addressed via the transfer portal right now. Even linebacker, right? With Even linebacker. Team. Yeah, and you know what? The linebacker thing is interesting because I think it may be, and this is a, um, we're getting deep into football theory, so I won't go down the rabbit hole here. But you look at the back seven. We've discussed how the back seven of this Texas defense may end up being the strength, especially if you get a guy like Jabbar Muhammad. You're going to go from being the front seven of your defense being the strength with Jalen Ford and Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat to now the back seven potentially with and young Anthony Hill, uh, Jade Barron, Makuba. Uh, you know, you know. let's see those young corners getting better, uh, young Derek Williams getting better. And if that is indeed the case, uh, you know, oftentimes teams that are built, constructed like that, the strengths of them are built from the outside in. They have trouble with the power run game. They just do, especially when you're talking about versatility. That's been the buzzword for Sark the, uh, during this talent acquisition cycle here. You know, whether you're talking about recruiting or you're talking about transfer portal, he wants more versatility in the back end. And they're actually getting, I think, more toward versatility and positionless football. But when that is the case, go look at Dan Quinn. I'm sorry to make the NFL comparison, but he has the best positionless football uh, scheme on defense in the NFL. A lot of hybrids in that uh, back seven for them. Even, you know, it's why he drafted DeMarvin Overshaw. He likes those kind of athletes. And it's great, I think, for being able to scheme up and offer solutions in a modern uh, era of football, but you are susceptible to the power running game. When you're that new school, you're susceptible to the old school, right? which is power running. We're going to run right at you. Can you stop that with all your hybrids and your positionless football schematics? Can you stop power football? And Cowboys can stop it. And a lot of those hybrid schemes can't stop it. So my, if Texas is going to be a team built from the outside in like that, you got to have players who are run force defenders specifically. That is their elite trait. And I think bringing in Blackshear, that's maybe they're bringing in like Benda. They're guys who can just be run force defenders for you if you go up against a team who decides no 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 we're not going to spread you out we're going to spread you out to run right at you and we want to play power football you need to be able to adapt so i think he's the counter he's part of the counter that you gotta have if you're gonna have a defense that's constructed in that manner say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Uh, Rod, I want to talk to you more about those six players that have committed, but also some that haven't that Texas is still looking at. Uh, Before I do that, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. That's Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. Adam and his firm have been helping injured Texans for decades. Uh, If you've uh, been injured in a car wreck, truck wreck, uh, or on a motorcycle, give Adam and his firm a call, 512-280-0800. That's 512-280-0800. Or visit them at LoweyLawFirm.com for a free consultation. Adam, thank you uh, for your sponsorship of the state of the program. Hey, uh, Rod, I I looked at that and the the six total commitments from the portal right now, three wide receivers, one edge, one linebacker, one DB. But guess what? They're definitely looking at another DB in the portal. Uh, As we mentioned, CJ Vogel saying Jabbar Muhammad on campus today at Texas. Uh, We know they're talking to multiple tight ends now. Amari Nyblack at uh, Alabama uh, entered the portal yesterday. Uh, That's a guy they want. Ben Eurosick uh, Mm -hmm. uh, out of uh, Stanford is another one. He's down apparently to Texas and Georgia. And then you have a defensive line that we know they need. Um, there, there may not be anybody out there yet that they that they really want, but they know they need to get there. If they were to domino at at, at defensive back, defensive line, and tight end, that would be nine. Wow. Um, do you think that they like DB seems like a little bit of a luxury? Tight end doesn't seem like a luxury to me, and no. defensive line definitely doesn't. That that could be eight if they just take a tight end and defensive lineman out of this group. I'm with you, and honestly, they need them. They need de- they need a defensive lineman. De- I say desperately, uh, but you definitely need some depth there, uh, and it, it, it proving commodities there as well. And it's going to be hard to feel that. I know we may not be getting into this discussion, but hard to uh, bring in uh, defensive lineman when you don't have the the coach uh, cemented there. I mean, that's just a hard that's a hard sales pitch. <laughs> yep. uh, so I, I imagine they may not even fill that void potentially, maybe to after spring to the next transfer a portal window. And honestly, you know this, Bobby, it's hard finding good line play in the transfer portal. You, you usually find better skill position athletes in the transfer portal. DBs, wide receivers, your tight ends, your running backs, quarterbacks. You, I don't know, for some reason, you don't get a good, lot of good linemen in the transfer portal. Why is that? Is it just you don't I, let those guys go and they, they play I, immediately? I'll I tell you what it is. I, I think that they don't think that the money's there for them probably like the other positions – the that is it. Pay more, so they get they get they're more swayed by it. You know that would be my guess. No, um, you're right, Bobby. That's it. That's that's what it is. You're right. But but the thought though for me is this. Okay, I'm looking at it, and I thought when I when we my point remains when they first got going in the portal, my numbers were four to six. Well, now my numbers are changing from six to nine, from four to six to six to nine. So why do we think that is? Is it because Sark got a taste of what the college football playoff looks like and knows what he needs to do to repeat that kind of run? Or did this roster have that many holes in the upper class ranks? Or is it just a combination of a multitude of factors? Like Byron Murphy kind of going pro when they didn't necessarily think that was going to happen preseason. JT Sanders going pro after all. A couple of guys kind of moved in that direction after the fact. And so they had to accelerate the process through the portal. 
I think you just nailed it, right? Uh, and I've been saying it. They're ahead of schedule, right? They're, they're ahead of schedule. Nobody expected them to be competing for the national title. They're supposed to win the conference title and then let the chips fall they may. But this team is ahead of schedule, and maybe just that's it. Maybe they all feel uh, the urgency to kind of expedite things that guys we're right here on the, on the precipice. We weren't thinking about, Hey, winning the sec in our first year, but Nick Saban just retired. You know, we, <laughs> you yeah. know, we're ahead of schedule. Who's, why, why, why couldn't we win the sec in our first year in the sec? I'm not, I'm not saying that that's what they're thinking, but in terms of them being ahead of schedule, I think now you having more of a, an all in philosophy. I also think they look at the roster and there are more holes on the roster than they anticipated. And and I think a lot of Longhorn fans are looking at everything from the glass half full perspective, that everything's going to work out. Nobody's going to get injured. Every player is going to develop into being a great player. And we know that's just not the case, right? Uh, you know, every transfer guy you bring in is not going to work out. Look at Isaiah Nair. We all thought, oh, coming in with double-digit touchdowns, I can't wait to see Isaiah Nair in the system. He's going to be awesome. And then he got an injury, and then for whatever reason, couldn't crack the circle of trust, and then he transferred into Nebraska. And you're like, well, I could have sworn. And every I, I did an interview where a guy asked me, "What happened to Isaiah Nayor?" We were we were sure he was going to be a playmaker for for you guys. It's like it just didn't work out. So I think you also have to put enough kind of irons in the fire to anticipate ish happens. Guy gets injured, you know, something. You know, guy doesn't develop the way you thought. Growing pains, that kind of stuff. And I think that's why you're seeing them almost kind of double down on bringing in talent at certain position. They're going to bring in another, you said luxury or bringing in Jabbar Muhammad if they can. They're like, nah, nah, tell with the luxury. What if our young corners don't develop the way we thought they were going to develop? Let's get, we're bringing an insurance policy behind that. If those guys don't necessarily get better uh, wide receiver, it's great. We had Matthew Golden, Isaiah Bond. Seems like they should have been solid. That's just more with Jontae Cook and Ryan Wingo. No, 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 no. Let's bring in Silas Bowden. Let's make sure that's that's, and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. So I think that these are just the coaches. Uh, they want to be sure, and they don't want to leave. They don't want to leave a stone unturned when it comes to talent acquisition and addressing their holes on their roster. And also, when you look at it, like I said, all of them make sense. These are – and when you – if you if you look at it from the glass half-empty perspective, which I wouldn't do, why would you do that? They're coming up for college football playoff appearance. But what if more of it goes wrong than right? And as a coach, you have to think like that. And I hate sometimes I hate coming on it because I sound like I'm being pessimistic, but I come in more from a coach's perspective, and they have to look at things from a negative perspective. What if the worst case scenario happens? Hope is not a strategy, and you should not coach with hope. All right, and and that's the wrong way to go about things. And that's I think they want to avoid hope as a strategy. Nah, nah, proving commodities. Let's bring them in, you know, and let's make sure that these holes are addressed the best way we know how. Let, let me let let me go a little bit separate here, um, and I want to move on to tight ends specifically, and I want to talk about receivers specifically. Um, Texas at tight end right now has Gunnar Helm coming back. I think you and I both we we saw what he was or what he could be, and even he's improving year after year. But behind him, they have two really young guys, and then even a third young guy just showed up on campus. Um, it, you know, I, the question I have is that there's two different ones that, that Texas is in the market for. Amari Nyblack out of Alabama, who is a big play threat, uh, you know, positioned out wide a lot. Mm -hmm. And then Ben Urosic, uh out of uh, Stanford. 
okay, who's a little bit more of that prototypical tight end. Yeah. Is there one or the other that you're thinking fits what Sark does or does Sark kind of fit his plan to them? You, you know what I mean by that? Like, yeah. it seems yeah. like it seems like the, the Nyblack is, is more that going to be running wide open down the field, kind of runs like a deer, whereas Eurosic is that inline tight end that also can uh, flex out a little bit and scare you. Um, is there a type or is this something that Sark will just massage his offense into appropriately? Yeah, I would love for uh, Sark to sit down. I'm sure there's some coaching clinics about this. Some yeah, yeah. About tight end because he claims tight end is the second most important position in his offense behind quarterback. Um, but honestly, I, I thought he was inspired by JT Sanders skill set and athleticism to utilize the tight end in more creative ways than I've seen in a Sark offense. Um, and so I am interested to see what he does with the tight end position now, because he did open it up a little bit with JT. Sanders. He would he would hunt matchups with JT Sanders. That's why you see him move around more than anybody else on the offense, shift in motion, find out who's covering JT. And it may not be for that play specifically. Oh, but on a play down the line, I found out in this formation against this coverage and this look, that guy's covering JT. Got it. Brilliant. And I don't know if you will hunt matchups that way with those other tight ends because, you know, none of them are JT Sanders, to be frank. All right. They're going to have limitations in their skill set. And I do wonder if Sark's going to be as, you know, if that 12 personnel traditional total will be as prevalent. I like Gunnar Helm, uh, but Gunnar Helm isn't as dynamic as JT Sanders. And even Black, he's great, but I don't know if he still is the all-around weapon. And he was. He scored against Texas, I believe. I don't know if he's the all-around weapon. He strikes me as the more Jaleel Billingsley kind of tight end. I remember that guy, and, and that didn't really work out for Texas either. Uh, that's going to be interesting, what, what he does with tight end. His first year, and utilized 12 personnel about 40% of the time. Uh, this past season, it was close to 30%. Uh, in 2022, you're around 35%. He loves it. I mean, it's his second favorite personnel grouping. And I wonder this year if you'll see more of that pony package, two tailback sets, or even more of that red package, something he used at, at Bama because he really liked his wide receivers. Now, he had four first-round wide receivers who wouldn't like that. He really liked those guys. So he broke out the 10 personnel package, one back, zero tight ends, Four wide receivers on the field, blitz the opposing team with speed. That's nightmare fuel for a defensive coordinator. So I wonder if you'll start supplementing personnel a little bit more, seeing as you don't have the dynamic threat of a JT Sanders you once had in that 12 personnel. I mean, it made Gunnar Helm, it made Gunnar Helm's job really easy in 12 personnel because he didn't get any attention compared to X-Man, A.D. Mitchell, and a J.T. Sanders, now that's going to change coverage-wise. So I wonder if he'll get away from as much of the 12 personnel as he's had in the past. But usually we're hovering around 30 to 35% of his offense is going to be one back, two tight ends. So it's really, really important. That That's where I want to go next. I want to say thanks to our sponsor one more time. But then I want to ask you about these three wide receivers and what you think it means. Uh, thank you to Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. If you've been hurt in a car wreck, uh, or on the job, or uh, by a truck, automobile accident, or a motorcycle accident, what have you, and think you might be due compensation, make sure you give Adam and his firm a call, 512-280-0800. That's 280-0800, or visit him, lowylawfirm.com. Uh, thank you, Adam, uh, for your uh, sponsorship of On Texas Football and the state of the program. Uh, all right. The, these three wide receivers, uh, we talked uh, a lot about them 
Uh, CJ and I have talked about him. I spoke with Bob Shipley this morning about it. Come and, on. you know, what we talked about is really how the speed of it all. I mean, yeah. all these guys can just run, Rod. And it, it, does this tell you that he's trying to go back to a different type of offense going forward? Or is he just – is this – just one of the many ways Steve Sarkeesian works. Cause it seemed to us that he had the speedy outside receiver with Xavier worthy, the mm -hmm. one-on-one -on -one catch maker with, yep. uh, with Adonai Mitchell and the do it all slot guy in Jordan Whittington. Now this year with all three of those guys gone, it looks like the three guys coming in are kind of all the same ilk. Yeah. You know, they could just, including John Tay cook, they can all run. And size isn't a real big thing for any of them. Agreed. It, I agree with you, Bobby. I, I'm sniffing. Is this where you're talking about that ten personnel? Yeah, or and and it may it may manifest itself. Uh, you know, with what they call the red package at Alabama. That's when it was ten personnel. But I agree with you. Even if it doesn't manifest itself that way, and Sark will always be an eleven personnel guy, one back, one tight end. I mean, that's fifty percent of his offense always will be. The question is the other fifty percent. How is it supplemented with? two tailback sets with 12 personnel with that six. So line package, big 11, big 12. That's the fascinating thing for Sark um, or about Sark's offense to me, but I'm with you. I, and I, CJ noticed it. And I, I think CJ did a great job of pointing it out. The speed factor. It seems like even though you're losing Xavier worthy in real analytics, they tracked Xavier worthy as the fastest ball carrier last season in all of college football. So, you theoretically could be losing the fastest player in all of college football, definitely the fastest player on your team. And yet there's a chance your offense could be faster overall this year than it was last season. That is mind blowing. That's intentional. That's deliberate, man. You're going, hey, sorry, you're going out of your way to replace speed. And I think a lot of it is replacing that speed, but we know Sark loves speed. Him and Al Davis, uh, you know, they they once, you know, bonded over, you know, uh, of speed, right? They once had a connection because they both love speed. And it's a West Coast thing. It's almost what you want to do to soup up West Coast offenses. And he's got a West Coast offense. And this is when the, your yak yards come into play. He wants to be a yak offense. He's always talked about that, right? He, he calls it his run to daylight philosophy. And although you point out last year, you seem like you had more variety within the wide receiving core. You had you know, uh, Jay Witt was your kind of hybrid running back wide receiver. Then you had your possession guy, your speed guy. Seems like now he wants to blitz opposing teams with speed. And guys, it is tough to match up with that. I mean, when you're a if you're thinking about your defensive coordinator and you got Jaden Blue in the backfield, he was clocked as the fastest running back in the country last season as a ball carrier by real analytics. And then you throw out, hell, you got Isaiah Bond, who's a 10-5 guy. Then you're throwing out Silas Bowden, who is as quick as he is fast. He's one of those explosive guys. And I don't know whether it's going to be, you know, Matthew Golden or John Tate Cook or, hell, or Ryan Wingo, who's also one of those speed guys. He's a 10-5, 10-6 guy. It's intentional that Sark wants to – he wants to put the fear – of God and opposing defenses with the amount of speed Texas can put on the field at one time. And I think Sark has a type too, right? And we're starting to see Sark's type more and more. He likes small, slight, you know, slight receivers who can, who can run, speed demons. Xavier Worthy, Devontae Smith fits that role. A lot of those guys at Alabama fit that role. We're talking about rugs. Uh, now, look at Silas Bolden. He's 5'8", pushing 160. Um, Isaiah Bond, he's a little bit bigger, actually, for a Sark receiver. So it's John Tay Cook. You think those guys are small, but Sark, he's getting he's, he's, he's getting into 
bringing in and uh, recruiting bigger receivers because Ryan Wingo, we talked about him, Parker Livingstone. Those guys are actually way bigger than Sark receivers. He's got a type. And in this, Aaron Butler, he's a he's, he's Sark's type, right? Fast, slight, smallish receivers. He's got a blueprint how to maximize and weaponize these guys now. And he won a, you know, Dante Smith won the Heisman as one of those guys where NFL scouts were thinking, this guy's too damn small to draft in the top 10, ain't he? Look at him, he's skinny. Uh, but Sark knows how to use these guys as long as they got that one trait that he covets, which is speed. And there's a chance, like I said, this group right here could be the fastest group of receivers he's had since that Alabama group where he had four first-round wide receivers. And I, like I said, when, when he had that group, he ran a four-wide receiver package at times. Um, and when he had Rojo and Bijan in the backfield, he ran a, a pony package in a two-tailback set because he thought to himself, what is what is the – package that could present the most problems to an opposing defense or putting the two best running backs potentially in the country on the field at the same time. Same thing can be true for these speedy wide receivers. That's the way Sark thinks. Got it. All right. I, I think that makes sense. And I, and I, I agree with it, especially I think Jaden blue adds some, some, an element of that that makes them even yeah. more dynamic because he accentuates it out of the backfield. So you could put him in on there with the other four guys and all of a sudden You've got maybe the fastest. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's it almost accentuates it to a level where it's kind of kind of just really out there as a real outline. Extreme. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Last thing I want to talk to you about in this state of the program, and this comes on the back of Silas Bolden's pledge, and that is a special teams. Mm. So you know, and Bolden, you know, he only had three punt returns. One of them for a touchdown, by the way. Uh, we're actually returned this year. Uh, but then you also have Matthew Golding averaging th- Golden averaging 35 yards a kick return. Um, Jeff Banks posted something about this on Twitter. He's like, we're getting ready to get real serious about special teams, essentially. And if they weren't serious about it the last couple of years, and now they're going to get real serious about it, I mean, how much? It, it, it should be mitigated some in the SEC because the SEC has better overall talent and more speedy talent than most leagues. Mm-hmm. But in all seriousness, is this is this getting ready to be a little bit more of a even more of a thing for Texas? I guess I don't know how to say it. Uh, yeah, it is um, because now he's getting more speed, and that's what he said on that tweet, right? I think the tweet was uh, speed, speed, speed times three. Real return game coming soon. Real, re- real return game. Yeah, even Robinson. I guess Keenan Robinson was like, "What am I, chopped liver?" Been doing pretty good. X-Men's got to be, whoa, I thought we had one of the best punt return games in the country. I think he's talking about, like we said, you know, you got speed leaving, but you got Keenan Robinson leaving too. That's a lot of speed. X-Men leaving. Those are two of the fastest players in the country. And there's a chance overall this special teams unit could be faster overall because you're going to have Matthew Golden back there who is a I – man, he's one of the best kickoff returns in the country. Guys, he's, he's, he's statistically, if you look at it, better than Keenan Robinson as a kickoff returner and Keith Robinson is going to the league now because he thinks he's that good. And by the way, he may be that damn good uh, just going to the league as a kind of niche uh, player returning kicks. Um, Xavier Worthy was one of the best punt returners in the country. And you just brought up Silas uh, Bolden. I mean, it's crazy to think three punt returners and one touchdown, three punt returns all year, one touchdown averaging 32 yards per kickoff uh, punt return. That is dynamic. So you adding two of the best kick return guys in the country you're adding more speed. I, I would even say these guys are probably going to end up being your gunners 
I mean, not well, I don't know all of them will be, but one or two of those guys will end up being your gunners because you're replacing Keaton Crawford and Keelan Robinson, which gave you the best gunners, arguably, in the country and two of the fastest gunners in the country. You know, he's talking about that as a part of it, too. And, and your kick blocks, right? Kick blocks are about speed. Who's blocking the most kicks out there? Right? Keelan Robinson was blocking kicks because he's fast. Trust me, as a guy who was fast blocking kicks, too, the, the one thing, one asset you need to block some kicks is speed and ball get off. That's it. And it's just a sprinter's takeoff. That's it. You get a sprinter's takeoff and you get the right move coming free, you're gone. You're in there. And I think that's what Keelan Robinson brought to the table. He's going to have these guys blocking kicks too. He's going to have them all up there. Think about that much speed across the line. And there's only so, so much you can do as a, a punt unit other than getting it off quickly, um, potentially shanking the punt or going match protect, keeping more guys in, which is going to promote better punt returns. If they got to keep more guys in the block and see the guys running downfield, guys, it is, and it's especially teams you could argue benefits the most from adding more and more speed, your kick coverage units and your kick return units. So I see what he's talking about. It's just hard to think that, you know, he believes they're going to be better than when they had Xavier Worthy and when they had Keelan Robinson. And those were two of the best kick return guys in the country. And Jeff Banks knows what he's doing, folks. He knows. He knows. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's good. I, I think all of this relates. We really spent a lot of time just, you know, poking around the portal, but the different elements of it, you know, how mm-hmm. it impacts it. Um, again, I thought going in four to six uh, to this cycle, four to six in the in the portal, and now it looks like it's going to be six to nine. Uh, so that'll mean some attrition come uh, April that's as right. well for the current yep. Baltimore group. You're right. Uh, so, all right. All right. That's it for today's State of the Program, brought to you by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, for Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton. Hook them. Hook them. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.